his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Ah, uh, let's talk about that, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that we spend on this is Wiggins America and that was the way we opened the show I regret that now uh, but you know we can't do anything about it this is where we are this is where we are in America President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine met with our very own US Congress this week he was asking for more money his position on that issue is that we should spend more money on him he was a definite yes on that issue our Congress they're a probable yes on that issue, save a few people. So the question I'm asking you today is, should we send more money to Ukraine? What do you think? But before we really answer that question, we got to rewind. Yeah, we got to go back and talk about our own border problems. Thankfully, the Republicans in the Senate are doing that. They are asking for more money for the border in conjunction with any spending that would be spent on another nation's border. This is a good move by them. This does need to happen. But let me rewind even further because I'm not sure whether or not this is still the question that needs to be answered, even though it is a good question. Is it actually, going deeper here and rewinding further, is it actually a money problem at our border? Or is it that we're just not enforcing any laws? So even though it's a border battle and it is a budget battle, is it something that we can do through the budget at all? Eric Schmidt, Missouri senator, has something to say about that. Left a meeting with uh, President Zelensky. Uh, as we were talking about Ukraine and their borders. Uh, But Joe Biden, uh, the president of this country, is totally absent um, in talking about the sovereignty of our border. And the idea that we've had millions and millions and millions of people come across illegally and nothing's being done, the Democrats aren't interested at all in talking about border security is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's Missouri Senator Eric Schmidt, and he raises a good point that even though I think they're using the budget battle to make this point, It really isn't necessarily that the border needs more money. Maybe it needs a little bit more, but the whole point of it is even at the current spending levels, they're just not enforcing any of the laws. I've heard other people say that even if you gave more money to the border as is, they would just use it. I think this was Jim Carifano said this on Annie Fry show this week. If you gave more money to the Biden administration to use it on the border, they would simply use it to bring in more people quicker. 
So the fact that we're having the discussion is good, but maybe we need to rewind a little further to answer this question. Is spending any extra money in the U.S.'s interest at this point? Not just on these things, but any money at all. I think you know where I'm going with this. Senator Rand Paul has something to say about that topic. But it's irresponsible to simply borrow more money. To borrow the money from China, simply to send it to Ukraine, makes no sense and makes us weaker, not stronger. But let's be honest. Most of Congress doesn't seem to care about the debt, doesn't seem to care how much money we shovel out the door and out of the country. Why? Because it's not their money. Every day, Milton Friedman's statement is proven correct, that nobody spends somebody else's money as wisely as their own. I doubt the big spenders in Congress will ever consider spending any of their own money, but Americans across the land should sit up and notice and attach blame to these profligate spenders. I appreciate that he's willing to take on this issue and be disliked in a lot of ways simply to make the bigger point, the deeper point, the rewound point, all the way back to why are we spending this money at all? The more money we spend, the more we're just going into debt to China, who is a greater enemy than Russia. So while you're fighting your geopolitical enemy in Russia, you're benefiting your geopolitical enemy in China. I think it was within the last two years that China became our number one debtor. It had been Japan for many, many years. It is now China. So let me rewind one more time because while I think he's right there on it, there's one more rewind we can make to make one bigger point that even Rand Paul did not make right there. The real problem is not just spending money on this and spending money on that and how we delineate what we spend on. It's that we're spending money and we can't stop. Now, he's, of course, making that point. But let me just say that if we don't address where we're spending that money, none of these things are really going to matter. We're going into such deep debt that at some point this balloon's going to pop. You think that Watching a bubble pop in 2008 was bad, or the dot-com bubble was bad. It ain't nothing compared to when this whole thing collapses, which I'm not saying is going to be anytime soon. My hope is that we either keep kicking the can down the road that I'm dead by the time it happens, not ideal, but at least I won't be around, or that we actually can solve this thing. I would prefer the latter. Where is the U.S. government spending money? Well, first, they're spending money. 21% of our entire budget is spent on health care. Why is the government involved in health care at all? 10% is spent on defense. That seems like a place where the government should be spending money. Okay, 10% of on, on defense. 12% is spent on welfare. I kid you not. This is from 2020, so it's a couple years old, but I think the numbers are going to be, as far as percent goes, the same, even if it's the, the pie is getting bigger, but the percents are the, sp- the same. Then you have basically uh, not welfare, but social programs. That would include pensions, government worker pensions, which are way better than yours and mine, social security and things like that. Then the last category here is education. Education is 13%. Now, you might say, oh, education, that sounds good. It's basically colleges. 
And uh, we're going to talk to Brian Godawa here in a couple minutes about colleges. I think you know where colleges go. They go as hard left as they can. They're basically trying to infiltrate ideologically our nation and overthrow it. (laughs) Is that extreme? Well, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But 13% of our entire national budget is spent on education. A lot of that higher education. That shouldn't be. Now, a lot of these things, now, like, picture, if you will, healthcare and education. Is college costs going down or up? Are healthcare costs going down or up? The more the government gets involved with these things, the more the price just goes up. That is a point that needs to be addressed. And when we're kicking around these, these uh, you know, budget items like this, I'm not saying that's not important. I'm just saying at some point we're going to have to really address the elephant in the room, and we're not doing it. Because all that spending, all the stuff pretty much that we talk about on a daily basis of should we spend on this, should we spend on that, that only accounts for 29% of the government spending breakdown. 29%, not even 30%, not even a third of the spending that we're talking about is stuff that we can do anything about. The rest of these things are so locked in that you're having to talk about big, big issues and big, big change if you really want to do anything about it. And to me, that is the ultimate rewind that we have to stop there. In fact, we have to start there and talk about where we can start to reform the entire budget, not just these individual items within the budget. Let's take a short break. I mentioned Brian Godawa. He is coming up next, and after that, Old Roy. We're going to talk about college, not only in this coming segment, but after that with Old Roy. We're going to discuss what college is going to look like for your kids maybe in five years, maybe in 10, like my kids are. I even have a six-year-old, so we're talking about roughly 12 to 15 years away. It is changing before our eyes, and I'm looking forward to looking at the report of the way it's changing so fast, what that means for you or your grandkids if you have kids of that age. Stick around, that's all. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Next on Wiggins America. Wiggins America, I have looked forward to talking to this author for a long time because it's been a while. Brian Godawa on the phone with us. Brian, how you doing? 
Good, Ryan. Great to be here, man. So I have read mostly from you. I have read your nonfiction works, but let me introduce you to Brian Godawa. He uh, mostly writes, I would say mostly anyway, uh, writes fiction. And this new book, Cruel Logic, The Philosopher Killer, is in the theological thriller category, which I find very, very intriguing. And one of the reasons that I like having you on is because a lot of the fiction that you write very much parallels real things that are happening right now in the United States. Am I wrong? No, you are absolutely right. In fact, this novel, um, which uh, deals with a serial killer on a woke university campus, wow. <laughs> actually draws from events that have been going on in college campuses, whether it's the you know, student protests and um, uh, as well as teachers and, and just the oppression that is generally going on in, in the universities. Absolutely. Brian, you use the word right there, oppression that is going on in universities. Explain that, because as far as I understand it, you're talking from a spiritual standpoint, right? Well, no, actually, on both on both levels, spiritual and okay. uh, you know, cultural cultural levels. So let, let me paint the picture. The novel is is basically called Cruel Logic: The Philosopher Killer. That's the uh, subtitle. And what it is, it's the story of a brilliant philosopher who is a serial killer. And what he does, he's actually a professor at a college, and he captures university professors, and he debates with them. And the topic of his debate is his moral right to kill them. It's kind of shocking, but basically he gets them in the chair and he says, look, if, you know, they're all tied up and he says, if, if what you say is true about reality, then give me one valid reason why I should not kill you and I'll let you go. What he's doing, of course, is he's, he's addressing their ethical system and he'll, he'll get professors from, you know, evolutionary biologists to a queer theorist, you know, and on and on, feminists, et cetera, all of them. And, um, and so, so that's, that's, that's the, uh, the, the sort of hook of the story, but it's in the context of this woke college campus, which, you know, um, I also have another storyline going on at the same time with a new college student who's actually an evangelical Christian, comes to college for, as a freshman, and how it, it's sort of a, an anatomy of how he gets caught up in the social justice movement on campus. So this is a, um, you know, a realistic picture and portrayal, and uh, you know, um, those two worlds come clashing together. But why? Because ultimately what's going on on our campuses in, in this uh, culture is the wokeism, which is you know, basically it's critical theory, postmodernism, Marxism, and all these sort of uh, various worldviews kind of working together to basically destroy Western civilization. That is their goal. And what is the foundation of Western civilization? Christianity. And so that, that picture is then uh, portrayed in the story and, how, and how, that, you know, how that comes about, whether it's through classes and having sex week or you know, students protesting, et, et cetera. It's and amazing. So, uh, yeah, Brian, it, you know, you, you've really got your finger on the pulse here because you were writing this book before college campus protests became a news story. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not as if you thought, oh, I'm seeing this in the headlines. Now I'm going to write about it. You were already writing and then it became a headline. That's what I find so interesting about so many of your books. 
Yeah, no, actually, you know, originally it had started as a uh, screenplay m- many years ago because I'm a screenwriter, you know, but um, I've been writing novels lately and, and I finally said, you know, I love this story all along and I finally, I could never get it made as a movie, so I got to put it into a novel. But yeah, you're right. When I originally wrote it, all that, I didn't even know about all that stuff going on. Even though it's been going on in the background underneath, you know, underneath the, the top level of culture, it's been going on for 50 years. But nevertheless, within these last few five years or so, when it's exploded, I now realized I'm glad I waited actually to write this as a novel because it gave me a much more fuller picture of society. Not only that, but just but a metaphor for uh, the nature of worldviews and how ideas have consequences. These these kids are being taught these postmodern rejection of uh, absolute values of objective reality. And what do they result in? Why, you know, why do we have 50% of students believing in that uh, in genocide of the Jews and supporting genocide of the Jews, which is absurd and it's evil, but they are in this society? Well, that's it's coming from the universities. So, so in a way, these two these two things are sort of um, reflections of each other. You know, that ideas have consequences, and and in a, in a way, those ideas ultimately lead to violence. Brian, I I really like this genre of book, of story, of TV show, whatever it is. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Twilight Zone. I have been for a long time. And to me, just the synopsis that you're giving about this, where you have a killer who's who's basically turning uh, ideology on its head and saying, if you can argue against me and convince me that you have some sort of moral right to exist, then I won't kill you. I mean, that's that's just a great setup. That's a great elevator pitch for a book. And I love that idea. Cruel Logic is the name of the book. Cruel Logic, the philosopher killer. Let me ask you before we run out of time too, Brian, what do you think now that you've written the book, because obviously the book came out even before all of these campus protests became a national, even international news story that this is happening in America. There should not be a protest happening right now because we all should be on the same page. Do you think generally that America is on the same page on this issue of Israel and Hamas and that the campus culture is kind of a microcosm of the progressive movement that's actually pretty minor? Or is it more of an indication that, no, this is actually the liberal mindset? I mean, what do you think? Well, I do think that it is the heart and soul of the liberal mindset. It is, it begins in the far left, but it seeps into uh, the liberal mindset as well. And uh, again, remember, ideas have consequences. And so when you, when you teach these, these kinds of ideas, there's a logical progression that will occur over time. And I do think that that is happening in our culture today. So I don't think it's just a, I think that university is a microcosm of what is happening in bigger society because, as Francis Schaeffer always used to say, um, worldviews, um, destructive or good, begin often in academia where they're in the ivory towers and it's all the intellectualizing. We don't know about it, but they're intellectual and, and they're debating about it. And then they teach the students, the students grow up, get jobs, get out into society. They start to live out those values. And so you can see how they percolate down. And then of course the arts then grabs onto those like movies and television and music. And we, right. We see that 
happening in our culture with the media and with movies and television, all that wokeism is filtering down through that because they make it more a part of the every warp and woof of our living day, right? So in that sense, I think that unfortunately we have been saturated, thoroughly saturated in, in, in the most dangerous way that I, I, I see an inevitability here of, of, of great danger and violence occurring. However, I don't believe, you know, as a Christian, I believe that if righteous, godly men stand up and do the right thing and fight against evil and fight for justice, you know, I think we, we can, um, I think we should fight it. You know, in fact, I don't even, it's not, to me, it's not about like, can we win or not? Um, I believe that the, that the church of Jesus Christ does win. And so in the end, but you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to have setbacks. Right. But nonetheless, um, we can fight this stuff and we should fight it regardless of what the outcome is, because this is ultimately the heart and soul of wokeism is antichrist. And I don't mean that in the end times type of thing. I just mean it, its soul is against Christ in the most deepest way. So we must fight it or we will lose our children like we're already losing them uh, because of because of academia. And these these big ideas, I really like discussing them. Um, it's one of the reasons that I like having you on. And even I can vouch for you are not only a prolific bri- writer, Brian Godawa, but you are a good writer. And I have read some of your stuff. Cruel Logic is the name of your latest book, The Philosopher Killer. If anything we've said here in the last eight minutes or so has piqued your interest, check that book out. I'm sure it's all in the normal places, right, Brian? No, actually, it's exclusively at Amazon and paperback, hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. But it's exclusively at Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. That's that's the normal places, right? That's where that's where mine is too. Uh, oh, cool. I got you. I got you. Know, everyone. All sometimes people ask for Barnes and Noble. And, oh, okay. And I know I, I know some people have a, a thing against Amazon because you know Bezos and you know Amazon has done some really dirty things. But unfortunately, that's the only avenue that I can get my books published and make a living, and they helped me to do that. So um, I, what I say is if you don't like Amazon, you vote by what you buy. So if you buy stuff like mine on Amazon, you're voting for more of stuff like mine. Oh, and I, I completely can vouch for that, too. I mean, my book is only on Amazon and Ingram Spark uh, by default, but uh, that is because they make it absolutely as as simple as you can. I don't want to say it's simple, but it's as simple as it gets uh, to publish a book on Amazon. It's not always the same on all, all the other sites. So the name of the book, yeah. Cruel Logic, The Philosopher Killer, Brian Godawa. Thank you for your time and appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for having me, Ryan. All right. We will be right back. So old Roy is going to come into studio. We're going to talk a little bit about what your kids may be experiencing, you know, kind of on, on this topic already, in college in the future. So not just right now, but the way college campuses are changing. We'll have that discussion next. Trish is here. Old Roy's sick. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, still sick. Still sick. I think it's sick. been three weeks now. We should send a care package. I don't think he needs it. I think he needs somebody to just kick him. Really? Yeah. Because he cancels should... last second on me. Yeah. Uh, I understand your desire to kick him, but should we give him some soup first so when you kick him, it's like real messy? No, I want... Well, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. Like fill him with soup, then kick uh-huh. him right in the stomach. Yeah, yeah, wait till he's like holding the soup, just finishing it, and then... Give him a little swift kick in the rear and it just like yeah. soup everywhere. Nah, I'm not opposed to that. As long as the soup is like a chowder. Chowder? I was thinking chicken noodle. Are you more of a... Do you, no, do I want you, something thick. Do you think chowder when you think of taking care of sick people? No, but I want something that's going to really explode. Like like oh. when you like punch him in the stomach. Well, let's give him some it's chili. It's going to look like a zit exploding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Man, I've, I've talked so much about... I, I you know I do lives for Fountains Family Dentistry and the mouth guard that I wear at night for mm-hmm. sleep apnea. <clears throat> I've I've seriously been wearing that thing for like 15 years. Yeah, and I don't sleep without it. But over the last three weeks, I've been so tired, and I I think I'm just battling something that when so I keep adjusting my mouth guard because when you adjust it out a little bit, it like gives you a fresh position to start from. And I, so I'll go to sleep. Does wake that up. like hurt your jaw no, when you adjust it? No, because you, you, it's so it's so small. Makes me think of my retainer days when we'd have to like twist the retainer yes. just a little bit, and my teeth would move, so the headaches would start. That's oh, just not gosh. like that. That age too. You're so yeah. awkward, and they're like, "Let me just put all these things on your teeth." Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna hurt, and you're gonna look ridiculous. Did you have braces? Mm-hmm. I did too. Yeah, but I did them late. I had them still as a junior in high school. I had a girlfriend that got them midway through grade school, didn't get them off until her senior year. She wow. had them for so long. Do you remember what it felt like when you took them off? No, I don't. But here, sorry. No, go ahead, <laughs> no, go ahead. no the answer is no. I really wanted braces when I got them. I thought it was cool. I got them at an age where I was like, that's super cool. What were you in, like, middle school? Fifth grade, maybe. Well, yeah, I thought it's it was cool neat. in fifth grade. Yeah, and I had mine off pretty early. So when I remember taking them off, and I was probably... 17. Yeah. And running my tongue across my teeth and being like, oh my gosh, they feel so slimy. It's like swamp thing. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. Yeah, I feel like you and my friend could bond over that shared experience because yeah. that's a that's late to get them taken off. It, exactly. And the reason for that is because my roots of my teeth are so deep that I think they go up to my eyes. Oh. They're so wow. deep. Is that, that what I've, I see? Is I thought that was a little sparkle in your yeah, eye. Yeah, it hurts. But it's a tooth hurts root. real bad. Yeah. Uh, I've had to have a couple pulled just for normal like wisdom teeth and stuff like that and they it the surgeries take hours Mm, because mm -hmm. my roots are so deep yeah they gotta really dig in there yeah so back to the original so it it took me a long time for the teeth i i lost my first tooth in third grade uh so everything was delayed so that's why i was so late um but to the original point 
when I go to sleep at night, I've been adjusting that thing. And it's really just like a little little twist. And <clears throat> so when you have sleep apnea, your jaw just relaxes too much and it cuts off air because you're not breathing right. And mm-hmm. then you keep waking yourself up to make yourself breathe again, which is why you don't sleep well. So the, that thing just kind of holds your jaw in a position where it doesn't relax too much. Well, over time, your jaw gets used to that mm-hmm. position. And just starts relaxing So it starts relaxing position. more. Yeah. So you just adjust it a tiny, tiny bit, and you're so used to it that even that tiny little turn, you don't notice it, but your jaw is no longer in that same position. Mm-hmm. It adds enough tension to keep you... Yeah, you're back to another month of being fine, and, and you have to do it so infrequently. Well, whenever I get tired, I go, oh, time for an adjustment. And so I just do the thing. It takes like two seconds. Well... I've been doing it and going, well, why am I still tired? But I'm not tired in the morning. So I know that thing's still working because mm-hmm. I'll wake up at 530. So you're sick. You brought me in so here. I'm right? like, yeah, so I think you I'm... brought me in here to tell me you're sick in this, <laughs> in this the... tight studio yeah, space. There's the overall point. Awesome. So Sorry. if you want to make me soup, that's completely fine. Okay. You got a nice chowder coming your way. I did say that I was going to talk about this story with Roy. So I'm going to throw it past you first. Um, I want to see if you think this is a good thing. Because to me, it's it's a sign of a shifting world that we live in, and I view it probably as a good thing, but anytime you're kind of leaving the past behind and moving towards something and you're in that middle zone, you don't really know if you're going into something better or not. And this is about U.S. companies. It says U.S. companies are no longer requiring job seekers to have a college degree. I saw that. Yeah, employers across a range of industries are dropping a requirement once considered a ticket to a higher-paying job and financial security, a college degree. Today's tight labor market has led more companies instead to take a more skills-based approach to hiring, as evidenced on job search sites like Indeed and ZipRecruiter. Hmm. Generally speaking, you could go two ways with this. One is, well, that's kind of just, that's the shift in the market. That's the way it goes. You could also say that, we're actually lowering the bar and saying, well, you don't actually need to have as much education because we just need employees. Which way do you go here? My initial thought when I read the headline was, oh, that's good because college is too expensive. Then I thought, that kind of stinks. I paid for it. And then I thought, what does this mean for society in the long run if we're discouraging people? Because you're because before it was to get the higher paying jobs, you need, I mean, and there's a lot of good high paying jobs in trade schools, but at least it's it's edu- it's higher education. Right. Yeah. But it was you got to go to college and to get even higher paying jobs, you need a master's degree and a doctorate. And education is super important. And having an educated society is super important. If we start saying, OK, well, we'll give these jobs without the education. Does that mean 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're going to have generations of people that aren't as educated as they were? Is that a good thing in the long run? Well, that's a good question because I've been kind of, and I even did this in the first segment where I was talking about how um, when the government gets involved in something, they just make it more expensive. So they're basically subsidizing industries now like college, Mm -hmm. like healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so it's gotten so expensive. And then you add in the, the amount of people who are more living paycheck by paycheck now, and it's just harder to go to college. So I don't know exactly know what that means as far as like the future. And I know that colleges are a place that we conservatives are like, look, these are indoctrination factories. Sure. But putting that aside, I think that education has gotten to a place where Brian Kilmeade, okay, taking a step back here, Brian Kilmeade talking about Booker T. Washington and Teddy Roosevelt and that new book that he's released. 
Well, I've heard him talking about it, or I haven't read the book, but I've heard him talking about it enough and telling stories, and he's really good at telling history stories. It's it's one of the great things I think we're missing in society is telling good history stories because they're all there. Sure. So, I, you know, if there's a podcast that somebody wants to suggest with good just like history 15-minute like, stories. I'd like to hear that too. I would. I really mm-hmm. would. Um, but he talked about how Booker T. Washington really sought out something that was difficult for blacks at the time, which is education and specifically with Tuskegee higher education and then use that to parlay into lots of different industries and lots of great relationships and stuff and it's how he became somewhat famous is that he was just he was a, a perseverer and he kept going and he did that through being kind of a bookworm he was an, he was an educated guy <clears throat> and that was not easy for a black man to do at the turn of the century now though it's as if education has become such a level playing field because you can have anything you want at the sound of a Siri, you know? Yeah. And it used to be that, well, you had to go seek it out. You had to go, like in the old days, you had yeah. to seek out the wise men of your tribe. And uh, then you had to go to college. You had to go to high school. We had to, like, fund public education. But technology has changed that landscape so much. That if you're interested in it, you can get that information. That you could specialize in something by just going to YouTube. Yeah, you're right about point. that. That's that's true. Uh, the, the knowledge is out there. Uh, you just have to look for it. I don't know. I go. I have a hard time with the internet. I think we've talked about this before. Where I don't think we're actually learning anything. I think that we're. It's so surface, and yeah. we're not retaining any of it. And our attention spans are getting so short that I'd like to think that. Places like universities and and higher higher education like degrees, uh, there's still something to be said for that. Just because you have to immerse yourself in it so much, and you have to prove that you have an understanding of it, that you don't necessarily have to. If you say, "Hey, device, what's this thing?" and then you know it yeah. for a second, and then you don't. Well, so. I think there's a difference too between saying, um, "Hey, what's the capital of of Australia?" And not being a ha- you don't have to retain that kind of information because it is available. Mm-hmm. But skills based knowledge, you do. You'd have to watch a video, and I've done this myself, but with very, very small skilled things. But I remember trying to get a seat out of our van when mm-hmm. we first had twins and thinking, I have no idea how to get this seat out. So I'd pull it up on YouTube, watch them, you know, some guy that spoke barely any English was telling you how to get this seat out. And so then I took that knowledge and I shut the video down and I went and did it. And that's kind of what I think we're talking about with this story here is it says that employers and specifically small businesses are prioritizing skills over diplomas. And they're even saying, we'll train you. You know, you don't even have to go to college. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of supplementing it because ultimately what college is supposed to be is just education to perform a task or investing or business or whatever it is you're going to go into to be a productive member of society. That was the intent for college, but it's gotten so far from that mm-hmm. that I view this mostly as a good thing. I, I don't think this is a sign that some people are saying that we're kind of dumbing everything down. Yeah. In fact, colleges are dumbing things down. <laughs> I think in a lot of ways they are. I think in a lot of ways, all the information being readily available has dumbed it down. Yeah. Too. Um, Let's take a short break, and then we'll have you come back if that's cool. Yeah, that's great. Uh, We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here with Roy not being able to come in. Still sick, so uh, we joke. We do wish the best for Roy. I think it's honestly just his voice at this point. He just keeps telling me I can't get over this cough and I don't have a voice. So I think he's active. 
It's hard to can't. do radio. In his defense, it's hard to do this it, without it, a voice. So. Yeah, it is the one thing you <laughs> yeah, need. Yeah, <laughs> he really does. All right, we'll be right back and finish this hour out of Wiggins America. I was thinking about the left and really just the anger that we live within in our society right now. People are mad. People are very, very mad. And the more extreme you are on each side of the aisle, not policy-wise, I just mean like devoted to the cause, you know, a lot of times there's more anger or at least pent-up frustration. And I've been asking myself, well, what exactly is the ultimate goal of all of this? And I think you could ask that of both sides of the aisle, but I just think it's easier to answer that question if you're on the right than you're on the left. Because if you're on the right, you can say, well, the ultimate goal is to get America back to the foundational things that made America great. It's where MAGA comes from. Make America great again. It's all that stuff that has gotten us to where we are now as a very, very prosperous, powerful nation. One that can afford the luxury of being diverse. One that can afford the luxury of dabbling in socialism. Not that I'm saying we should, but you don't get to there without having good foundations. So I think it's easier for a conservative person to look ahead and say, here's what I want to get to. And it's really a lot of things that are in the rearview mirror and say, like, there's proof that these things have worked. I want to get back to these things. Capitalism, you know, um, a limited government. These things are, are very quantifiable. Whereas if you ask the left especially a very, very progressive leftist, what is your goal? I really would like to know the answer to that question. And and if you're listening right now and you're like, you idiot, I'm listening to conservative radio and I've got the answer to your question. Well, reach out at Radio Wiggins on Twitter. I would love to hear from you at Radio Wiggins. What exactly are you looking forward to? What are you trying to achieve on the left? Because there are only two things that I can find that really motivate the left as far as what they're trying to get to. One of those things is climate change, you know, trying to stop environmental disaster. And while we may disagree with the underpinnings of that and how to solve any problems that may exist, I at least respect the position because there is a goal there. There's a real goal. And it's let's reduce emissions by X amount. Let's, you know, get off of this type of energy. You know, these kind of things. Those are real goals. Whereas I think the other one I don't really understand. We just talked about the conservative ones. Talking about the liberal ones now. Climate goals I do understand, even if I disagree with them. But the ones that seem to motivate people more are not the climate. It's this idea that's very vague about equality. And I, I don't quite understand it. And this is where I'm like, hey, look, if you, you want to explain to me, if you want to lecture me, feel free. At Radio Wiggins on Twitter. But I don't understand it because what actually is equality to you? We live in... The most just, open, you know, opportuni- opportunistic society, really, that has ever existed across the board. And you can you can study history and look at this, but I, I fear that we're not studying history almost at all. Because when you do, you realize, man, we've got it pretty good. 
We're, we're heading in a wrong direction, but we've got it pretty good. And so when the progressives want to progress us toward something, I ask the question, toward what? Please let me know what you're trying to progress towards because what it looks like to me is that you are grabbing smaller and smaller fringe groups and saying, now these people have been oppressed long enough. Now we're going to liberate them. And in the case of the transgender movement, I'm watching TV shows, uh, you know, Quantum Leap was one of them, where they travel back to 2012 and say, look at the injustices this group of people has had to endure. We need now to liberate them. And so it, it, it's it's a... It's a pinpoint on the small, more small and small and small. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't look for equality for everybody if there's inequality. But it looks to me like it will never stop. And the fringe gets fringier. And ultimately where this goes, by the way, if you go back to 2012, who do you think was controlling America's culture and institutions in 2012? It was the left. So if you go back to 2012 and you say, well, they were persecuted then, who was persecuting them? The left. What's the next group? Where is this headed? Who's the next group that needs to find equality? What it looks like to me is that they're focusing on, because they, they always the left always focuses on sex, sexuality, lately anyway. Children. They want to liberate children sexually. They want to give them the right to consent sexually. You say, Ryan, that's ridiculous. Oh, is it? Is it really? Are you sure? Because they're they're about one step away from it right now in saying we want to liberate children to change their genitalia. Well, what's the next step? Well, it's that they have the right to choose who they have sex with. That if we don't stop, that's why this culture war is so important. If we don't stop it now, this is where it goes. Short break. We'll be back. Get more at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.